Dios. allow that to minister to you right now. God is really, truly here today in this house. And we cannot measure the depth of his love, his mercy, his grace. When I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, I can't put into words how much how much I should love him, how much I should trust him, how much I should believe in him. And 
And I hope today that someone who has been hurt, someone who is going through the struggle today, someone who is battling something in your life, that you can look back over the goodness of Jesus and it not just be how much you should love him, how much you should trust him, how much you should believe in him, but by the time you leave this service today, that you would walk out full of love for him like you never have had before. You'd fall out full of faith like you've never had before. You would walk out of this place full of trust and hope like you've never had before. For God is so good and God is so faithful. God is so loving and kind and generous. And the subject of that love the subject of that grace, that mercy, it's you. It's you today. It's you today. One more time before we move on, can we just lift up our hands and just tell God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being a God of love and mercy and healing and all the things that you are, God. We thank you. We thank you. Amen. God is so good today. He is good all the time. All the time, he is good. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to Hebrews, the 10th chapter, I'm going to start out just reading a couple verses here. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 35 and 36. 35 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. I want to read this in another translation, the NIV, which I don't do that much, but I want to read that verse because I love the first four words that it says. It says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. I feel a mandate today to tell someone you need to persevere you need to keep on going that this is no time to stop or give up and so today I just want to preach under this title don't stop now don't stop now amen one more time can we just real quickly say thank you God thank you Jesus for you're so good Lord let your word be heard today let it fall on good ground in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You can be seated today. History is full of people, full of people who were advised to quit just short of great accomplishment. People like Benjamin Franklin, who 
who we know, a great inventor, people and experts actually told him that he should leave alone all the foolish experimenting with lightning. It's just foolishness. You just give it up, that it was a waste of time. But thankfully, thankfully today, I'm thankful that we're not under candlestick today. Benjamin Franklin did not stop, but he continued. Even Christopher Columbus, he had to face an impressive panel of experts heading, uh, headed by Spain's leading geographer and scholars who examined his plans and presented their findings to the king and the queen of Portugal. And they wrote, Columbus's plan can't be accomplished. It's quite impossible, they said. But Columbus and those that were with him, they did not stop. They went forward. The Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur Wright, were spending time and energy on a con- contraption that hopefully would fly into the air. And attempt after attempt, time after time, they failed, and they failed again. But finally, in 1908, near Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, the Wright brothers, they taxied their, their, their idea down a sandy runway and launched a human into the air. And today people are flying all over the world. I'm thankful that the Wright brothers did not give up and stop. Thomas Edison performed nearly a thousand experiments before discovering the proper material for filament in the light bulb. Mr. Edison, after a thousand attempts, a thousand, what would seem like failures but we're actually just the setup to success. After all of it, he did not quit. He did not stop. A lot of us know the story about Abraham Lincoln, who ran for the state legislator and failed. He entered business and failed. He spent 17 years actually paying off his debts from, from all those things. He ran for Congress and he was defeated. He ran for the United States Senate and he lost and Then finally, he became president of the United States and put put his stamp on this country that we are so thankful to live in and and some say is the greatest president that has has ever served in that office. I'm thankful that Abraham Lincoln did not stop. He did not quit. And so I'm here to encourage someone who is thinking about giving up. Someone who's been trying to overcome, but you faced obstacles. I'm here to encourage someone who has had a promise in their life, but has yet to see the promise be fulfilled. I'm here to encourage you not to stop now. To not give up now. Someone who is trying to have faith over a situation in their life, whether it is a physical need in your life, uh, maybe it's a financial situation that you're, you're going through, maybe it's this or that, whatever it is that you're experiencing today, and you're trying to have faith, but you've not seen any, any indication that the situation's gonna change. I'm here to encourage you not to give up, to not throw in the towel, to not give in, 
to not stop now. This is illustrated in an Old Testament story that I want us to go through today in the book of Joshua. Of course, Joshua is the successor to Moses who who led the people out of Egypt, going towards the promised land. And we know that on the way to the promised land, we know the story that, that 12 spies were sent out and to, to, to spy out the land and see if they could take the land that God had promised them and given them. And, and 10 of those 12 spies said that, that there's giants in the land, that we can't take this land. We can't take what God has promised. And then there was two guys, Joshua and Caleb, who were full of faith, who said, we can take this land. We can go forward. And we know because of the lack of faith of those in the majority that they did not take that land. They did not take the promise. There was 40 years, actually, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness that that happened, 40 years of, of awfulness, of, of terrible condition. And now God did take care of them while they walked. God helped them along in their wandering, but 40 years is a long time. 40 years is a long time to be wandering in place. Now it's came to the time where Moses has has passed away and Joshua and his generation have came to the forefront. And that promise is still for them. That promise is for them to, to take and to possess. And, and so they're coming to that place where they are stepping into their promise. In fact, their promise is right there. And as they are stepping into their promise, they meet a town's first problem on the way to their promise, which is Jericho. And that's where we're going to spend some time today. In chapter 6 and verse 1, it says that Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. Because of the children of Israel, it was shut up. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, and ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear the ark, seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets, and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a loud shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up, every man straight before him. Joshua, have your people walk around these walls for six days. Walk around this city for six days. Don't speak. Just do it. Be obedient. Put one foot in front of the other and walk. And then on the seventh day, you're going to walk around that city seven times. And then there's going to come a time where the victory will be possessed. The promise 
will be possessed. It's coming. It's coming, Joshua. Tell the people to march. Tell the people to go. And so, so they go and they march and they walk around the city. And God was very specific that they were to march for six days and then on the seventh day march around seven times. In other words, God had a plan. God had a way that it was going to work out. And Joshua and those people, here's what they could not do. They couldn't stop short. They could not stop six days into God's plan. They couldn't stop six laps after six laps on day seven. God had a way and they were to fulfill his purpose. And so today, I want to identify three reasons why sometimes we, me, us, unfortunately, we stop short of stepping into God's will and continuing in God's purpose. And one of those is that our perspective gets obstructed. We have a lack of vision. You see, Jericho was a very was not a very big city in terms of how, how large the city was. Some say that you could march around it in about an hour. But what made it a challenge to conquer was, wasn't the city, the city size, but rather it was that Jericho's walls were so high. Their walls made, made it almost impossible for someone to take over the city, for someone to conquer the city. Of course, in those days, it was very common for, for cities to have walls. And those walls were a, a way of protection. It kept out people that they did not want in. And these walls were very useful for them, and these walls worked very well for them because they were high walls. And it was almost impossible to, to get... Uh, over them, but those walls represented a problem for Joshua and the children of Israel. And there's always a problem for you and I between God's promise and the possession of God's promise in our life. For Israel, that problem was Jericho, and that problem specifically were the walls of Jericho. And what happens to us is that the enemy wants to use those problems to block our perspective of who God is and what he wants to do and what he's going to do in our lives. And all of us have problems that we experience. It says in our text that Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. In other words, Jericho understood who was coming their way. They understood the power and authority that was on their way to the city to take them down. And so because of the children of Israel, they had these walls and they shut the gates and they didn't let people come in and go out. They were protecting themselves. And the Lord said unto Joshua, see that? 
Do you see those walls? Do you see what's happening? He says, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. It's amazing because it's only God who can speak in past tense about a battle that we haven't even experienced yet. That's the kind of God that we have. A God who sees what we're going to go through before we actually go through it and says, see, I've already won. See, you have the victory. See, I have already overcame. That's what God does. But sometimes what God says doesn't really look like what you and I see. And so God says, see, Joshua, I've got this. But all Joshua sees is walls. Have you ever felt like what you see in your life doesn't match up with what God has said to you? That God is speaking to you about victory, but you feel defeated? That God is speaking to you about healing, but inside all you feel is brokenness. That God is speaking to you about helping someone, but you feel like you yourself are on the brink of collapse. That God is speaking to you about giving away something. Meanwhile, you have need yourself. What I'm talking about is when revelation doesn't match up with our current reality. And the reality is, is that we are quick in our life to make decisions and analyze things based off what we see. In fact, we are such a visual culture. We, we value what we see above what we hear. That's why we value television more than we value radio. That's why we, we look to be entertained with our eyes more than we look to be entertained with our ears. And with that same knowledge, we can't see God. And sometimes we can't even see that he's working. And it's easy when God speaks to us to allow what we are seeing to be much more real than what God has spoken and much more real than what we read about because we are people that live in a world that has fallen and we see the death, the, the darkness, the, the tragedy in our life and in our world and it's all very real. We see it. We feel it. But even though you, what you see and what you feel seems very real, don't ever forget that God's word is truth. And what he says shall come to pass. And that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He cannot lie. Everything he speaks, it, it is. His word is truth, the Bible says. And so it does not matter today what you see. What matters is what God says. And so I'm here to encourage someone who is thinking about giving up because you cannot see in any way that God 
is able to show up. I'm here to encourage you not to give up now. Because even though you cannot see the fact that God can show up, I can encourage you and, and full of faith can say that God can and will show up. That God is an on-time God. That He is working and He sees you right where you are at. Don't stop. Don't stop marching. Don't stop now. Secondly, one reason sometimes that we may stop short is because our progress isn't obvious. I'm going to read this out of the New King James, our story. It's God speaking to Joshua again in verse 3. He says, You shall march around the city, all your men, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Wow, it's, it's very clear what God is, is speaking to Joshua. It's a little unorthodox, but it's, it's very clear what's going to happen. But now the conversation changes, and it's Joshua calling the people together and speaking to the people. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said unto them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed. And march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. And so it was, when Joshua had spoken to the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make no any noise with your voice, now, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, and then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns bear the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the men and the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. And so they did six days. That's a lot of reading there. But it's telling us what is going on. Joshua said to the people, he said, proceed. He said, march around the city. Let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. But you know what, I don't know if you caught it or you saw it or you noticed it, what Joshua did not say. He did not say a single word about how long they would be marching. For six days they marched and nothing happened. Joshua didn't say, we're going to go out 
and we're going to march for six days. All he said is, men, proceed. Go and march. And so they went out and they marched. I think these are, these are men of war. I think that it's possible, very plausible, that some of those men made a lap around the city. And they got back to camp and said, well, we couldn't really talk back there, but they got with their buddies and said, do you, do you know what that was all about? I mean, I know Joshua told us to do this, and you know, we trust Joshua. We know God's put Joshua in our life. We know that he's put this leader to lead us, and, and so we're going to follow after him. But did that really make sense? Some of them may have said, well, maybe it was just a, we're seeing the lay of the land. But he said, we're going out tomorrow. So tomorrow, let's, let's get ready to go. We're going to fight sharpen our swords, let's, let's get ready to go. And so the men march out again and they go around the city. And they, don't, they can't speak. And nothing happens. And then it's day three. And I think by day three, some of them are maybe even questioning the man of God saying, are we sure that this Joshua hears from the Lord? Are we sure that this guy isn't just a little cuckoo? I mean, I remember Moses. But who is this Joshua? And he's saying to march. Are we sure? And so they're marching and Nothing happens. Give it to them. They walk in obedience. They follow the man of God. They follow what was the voice of the Lord that came through the man of God in their life. And so they walk and they walk. And for six days, they march and nothing is happening. For six days. Six days of obedience without results. And you may say six days isn't long but we say that on this side of the history, on this side of the story. But if you put yourself in their shoes, and many of us are in that place where we feel we have heard the voice of God. Maybe we've heard the voice of God through the man of God, or, and we're walking out of obedience, and we're just wondering, when is something going to happen? I've been praying. I've been marching. I've been sacrificing. I've been giving. I've been fasting. When is something going to happen? When is a brick going to fall off the wall? When am I going to see a result? When is something going to make sense? Because right now it makes no sense. I've trained for battle. I've trained to fight. But all I'm doing is marching in obedience and I'm having to stay silent. I'm having to walk. And I'm not able to question. But they walked. They walked. They marched. And here's the question of faith. 
Can you believe God is moving even when the wall hasn't moved at all? Can we believe God is moving even when what we are doing isn't making anything happen? Can we believe that our faith is not in vain even when we cannot see the results of our obedience? I'm here to encourage and tell someone today, maybe you've forgotten this, that obedience is our responsibility. And the results are God's responsibility. My responsibility is not the outcome. My responsibility is the obedience. And if God calls me to, to march around six days and nothing's going to happen, it's up to me to, to step by faith, one foot in front of the other, six days, six days, six days, and keep on marching, one foot after another, even when I don't see it. God is calling us to continue going forward. The reality is that progress is motivating. Progress that is easily identified is sometimes what keeps us moving forward. Last week, I got really motivated to drop a few pounds, which I need to do. And I wanted to start eating better, and so I did. And so for two days, I pushed back the plate. I didn't eat any sweets. I didn't snack. And after two days, I went to the closet and said, you know what? I saw that jacket that I've wanted to fit into for a long time. I said, I wonder if that's going to fit when I put this on. So I grabbed the jacket and I put it on. And after two days, you wouldn't believe it. It didn't fit. <laughs> you see, I wanted to eat better for two days and see six months worth of progress. <laughs> I'm convinced. That if you ate better one meal and you immediately saw progress, that all those that need to lose weight wouldn't have to lose weight anymore because it would happen. I think if all you had to do was do one curl and a muscle popped out, all of us would be going to the gym after this service today. If you did one sit-up, and an ab just popped out. And after six crunches, a six-pack would just come to be. Right now, I would get down and do six crunches. Because when we can see results, we have no problem putting in the work and the effort. But the question is, is when I can't see the six-pack forming, 
It's got a lot of way, it's got a lot, long way to go. Will I put in the work and the efforts? When, when I can't see progress materializing, will I keep on moving forward? When I can't see the enemy getting weaker, when I can't see the healing coming quickly, will I continue to be obedient to the word of God? Will I stay obedient to the voice of God? The problem is, is that progress cannot always be measured. And even though you may feel like your promise is far away, your promise may be very close. And although maybe your progress or your promise may be very, seem like it's very close, sometimes your promise is very far away. And we don't know when the promise will come to pass sometimes and when the promise will be fulfilled and when the prayer will be answered. And the question is for you and I is that when we don't know when or how or what's going to happen, can we still live in obedience and still pray and still fast and, and still grow and, and still do what we know we are to do and believe that if we do what we know to do, God can do what only he can do. We have to continue even when it's not obvious our progress, when our progress isn't obvious. And lastly, the third reason sometimes we stop short, and it goes along with the second point, is that the progress sometimes, or the process that we're in, the process we're experiencing and that we're walking through is an open-ended process. Wouldn't it be nice if God gave us a clock and at the end of the clock was the fulfillment of the promise and we could go through our life and go through our situations in life and see that we're a little closer. We're a little closer. We're a little closer to the fulfillment of what he's doing for us or within us? What would happen if when we prayed, we knew immediately the answer would come? We would be praying all day. I'd be praying without ceasing in a literal sense. If I prayed and immediately the answer came every time, it would be a lot easier to pray. What would it be like if, if when a promise was given, that promise immediately came to pass? And I'm convinced that sometimes God has us praying, has us fasting, has us believing, has us continuing to walk around our problem and walk around the city because while we're walking and while we're believing that God is going to do a work for us, in the process, God is still trying to do a work 
in us. And it's while we're praying and not seeing results, and while we're fasting and still not seeing anything different, and while we're, we're believing and we're trusting and we're not seeing things happen, it's in those times that God is perfecting us on the inside. It's in those moments that God is teaching us to trust in Him and to believe in Him and, and, and to continue going forward because maybe God's just preparing you for something that's even greater in the future. Maybe God is trying to do something inside of you that you cannot see. But what God sees is the finished product. God sees that the city is already yours. God sees the, the end and the fulfillment of the process before you've even started. And maybe God is just using this to prepare you for what's ahead. But that doesn't make us feel better. When we don't know when, and we don't know how, sometimes it can stop us from just putting one foot in front of the other and taking one step forward. When all we see is the elephant. It stops us from taking one bite. And God's just wanting us to put one foot forward. He's just wanting us to just walk by faith. Walk by faith and believe that when He begins a good work in us, that He truly is faithful to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In closing, think about Joshua. The fact that before he was leader, I said it earlier, before he was the leader of Israel, he was one of those men that went out and spied the land and gave a good report. But there were 10 others that had no faith. And because of 10 others' lack of faith, Joshua had to wander for 40 years. Joshua and Caleb, what an example to you and I. And for 40 years, 40 years, they continued to walk. I just wonder, did they, within that time, all the stuff that was happening inside of those two guys? I mean, was there, was there bitterness in there? Maybe towards those guys that, that messed their lives up? Were they harboring any feelings inside of them that, that were unhealthy. We don't read about it. It doesn't say that. But I just wonder. I know if it was me and I was that close to the promise and I could see it. But because of others' lack of faith, I couldn't possess it. It would be very hard for me to stay faithful that long. 
so I don't know exactly what was happening inside of them and what they were dealing with. But I do know that Joshua and Caleb stayed faithful for 40 years, putting one foot in front of the other, walking by faith. 40 years of walking, 40 years of trusting, 40 years of not losing faith. 40 years of following after the man of God in their life. 40 years. And now it's Josh, Joshua's time to lead. And this man who has been walking for 40 years is about to possess the promise. And they see see by faith afar off what God has been preparing them for and I think for 40 years God was preparing Joshua for a moment when he would stand before Jericho and God would say Joshua you know what you're going to do you're going to march a little bit more I know you've been marching for 40 years, but Joshua, you're going to walk around this city. And maybe the 40 years in Joshua's life was to prepare him for this moment when he had to walk in obedience to the voice of God. When God called him to take another step by faith, who knows if 40 years wouldn't have prepared him what he would have done in that moment. But 40 years of trouble, 40 years of pain, 40 years of struggle prepared Joshua for a moment when God spoke to him, when he was the man of God, and when, when God was speaking to him, and God said, I want you to march around the city for six days. And then I'm going to have you march around the city a seventh day. And on the seventh day, you're going to march around that city seven times. You're going to march. And I'm here to encourage someone who has a promise from God. And you want it to come to pass. You want it to happen. But God is telling you, you need to keep on going. You need to keep on walking. You need to take another lap. And you need to take another step. You need to go another day. I'm here to encourage you to not stop now. You've come too far to give up. And God's promises that he has given you, they still stand today. His promise that he gave you years ago, it still stands. Every promise that is in this word today, it still stands. Every word that he has given you, everything he has sown into your life, that death, that burial, that resurrection on the cross, it is not in vain. That promise is for you and it still stands today. I'm here to tell somebody to keep on praying, to keep on serving, to keep on trusting. Don't stop today. Don't stop on day six. Don't stop now. Because day seven, someone say day seven. Day seven is coming. It says that it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early 
early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city about the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. Shout, for the Lord hath given you the promise. And on verse 20, it tells us that the people shouted. And when the priests blew with their trumpets and it came to pass, when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell, they fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him. And they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both men and women, young and old, and ox and sheep, and ass with the edge of the sword. They did not stop. And I'm here to tell you, do not stop on day six. Day seven is coming around the corner. Day seven is coming in your life. That promise is coming today. That thing you've prayed for, it shall come to pass. That thing you've served and you've given your life for, it shall be done. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. I I wonder if today we could give a day seven praise. If on this day we could give a day seven shout. If on this day we could live our life like it's our last lap, like it's our last time. And we could give a praise like we've never given a praise before. We could give a shout like we've never shouted before. I'm telling you, don't stop today. Don't stop. Praise Him. Worship Him. Believe in Him. God is faithful who has promised. God is faithful who must persevere. You have need of patience. You must continue. Don't stop. Promises unto your children. Promises unto them before The promise still stands. The promise is standing. I believe. I'll see you do it. I'll see you do it. I believe it.